Hello, and before we get started with this week's episode of Rising as One Podcast, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising, the Beautiful Game Network, and Oral Brewing Company. You can check out Firebird Rising on the web at firebirdrising.corair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, and Oral Brewing Company is located in downtown Mesa, so if you're out in the East Valley, go check them out, and remember to use the code word RISING after any Phoenix Rising win for happy hour pricing. We would also like to thank our listeners for the continued support. If you enjoy this podcast, please do us a favor and leave us some feedback on iTunes or drop us a line on Twitter at RisingPod. Let's get to the show. Welcome to this week's edition of Rising as One Podcast. This week we will discuss the win against Seattle that finally put us into the playoff position, preview our upcoming matches against Orange County and Colorado Springs, review scores and standings around the league, and discuss other Phoenix Rising news. I'm your co-host Matt Trainer, joined here today by co-hosts Dominic Kearns and Jeff Went. How's it going, guys? It's going all right. Uh, it was just really happy. I think we're all in good spirits after another win. We're all in good spirits because it's a longer weekend. So, um... Yeah, I really can't complain. Yep, a good week all around. Uh, some positive news, you know, from the front office. Positive results Saturday night. And uh, positive all around as we uh, look forward to seeing this club now in a playoff position and moving forward. So It's nice that we finally made it into that elusive playoff position that we've been uh, talking about for weeks, you know. Um, we now have won uh, our last two matches and we're unbeaten in the last five. Uh, kind of looks like all the pieces are falling into place now. So uh, let's talk about that Seattle matchup on Saturday night. Um, I was unable to attend, but Dominic and Jeff, you guys were there. Uh, why don't you take us into that game recap? Yeah, let's uh, let's start talking about this great win uh, on Saturday night against Seattle. A uh, few interesting changes, obviously, starting in the back with Josh Cohen in net. Uh, unfortunately, Carl Wazinski picked up an injury and will be out for a little bit of time. Uh, due to that, uh, kept the same back four as we saw uh, in the previous game with with Vasquez and Wakasa, along with Ramage and 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 Jordan Stewart. Uh, good to see Kevon Lambert get another start in the midfield in the holding midfield position. Blair Gavin joined him in the back this time. Um, injury to Miguel Tim also kind of forced the hand on that decision a little bit. Uh, saw the same forward four uh, as we saw in the previous game with uh, Alessandro Rigi, Sean Wright Phillips, uh, Jason Johnson, and then Chris Cortez at the top. Uh, obviously, Didier Drogba is still out with injury. Hopefully, he will be returning shortly to the club as well. Um, an interesting game in the first half. I mean, obviously, all of us that were there kind of <laughs> we were kind of trying to figure out what Seattle was exactly trying to do for, for most of this match. It just, to me, they seemed like they were parking the bus and just playing for a hopeful draw. I mean, it just, you didn't see any forward attack out of them, really. They only created two chances in the first half. And trying to watch Phoenix Rising find its way through Seattle's defense was, was interesting. I mean, there were a couple of points 
there in the first half for them that they tried to take advantage of. I mean, for example, you know, in the 16th minute, there was a nice through ball early to Chris Cortez, who just missed on the short side. Um, in, in the 24th minute, uh, a beautiful cross from Victor Vasquez right to the head of, of Cortez. Uh, but Miller was right there to make a, a great save on that. Uh, you know, a couple of chances for for Seattle. Uh, Kovar had a had a shot that just went over the top of the 20th, and then he had a shot in the 35th that was a little bit of a worm burner. But but Josh Cohen made an easy save on that one. But for for the most part in this first half, it really just seemed like a a 45 minute feel out period. It just not you know possession was okay for both clubs. I mean, I thought Phoenix Rising tried to take advantage of some good plays, but a couple of times just didn't quite link up at the at the end like they did with with the Vasquez attempt, you know, midway through the first half. But I, you know, but I thought, you know, for Seattle coming off of a game Wednesday, they looked fairly good, and it also helped that that Seattle had six players that they dropped from their first team down to to the second team to get some playing time, you know, while this international period is going on as well. So as we get into the half, it's nothing, nothing. You're thinking, okay, but you're hoping for more chances from rising. Uh, Dominic, your thoughts on the first half? Yeah, and uh, I think it's really important that you mention the six players from the first team that are all uh, trying to get some action. I think Tyler Miller is a guy that we – did not see in the earlier matchup um, or haven't really seen him too much in Sounders two games we've been following because he's usually with the first team, uh, some other guys too. Um, so in that sense, they were a lot more defensively organized than I was expecting. That being said, you know, we did create some chances and I have to say that save that Tyler Miller made on, on Cortez in the 24th minute was absolute highway robbery. As you mentioned, perfect cross from Vasquez. That was a really good header by Cortez, too, going to the opposite side, going far post. And, I mean, that better be one of the Save of the Week nominees because, you know, I was talking to a friend about this. As as great as Cohen's save was much later in the game, when we get to that, I think this one's even more impressive because the keeper has to be leaning the wrong way to guard near post. And then... He's leaning the wrong way. The ball's going against his body, and he just puts his right arm back there to deny, um, to deny Cortez. So, pretty unfortunate for us not to be ahead at that point. But you're right. The later parts of that first half, it definitely became more of a feeling out period. And really, Sounders too had more of the possession and chances in those last 20 minutes. I had a few friends that got in late, at around the 25th minute, and they're like man, this game is not very fun. What's going on? I'm, I'm like, well, you guys missed the more interesting stuff at the beginning, but um, it, it was it was a little surprising because a lot of times this season we bring our effort up at the end of the first half. This kind of felt like the inverse where it was a really good start and then it kind of tailed off towards the end of the first half. So very nervous feelings at the half, but I don't know what you guys have to add to that. Yeah, it just seemed like uh, you know you you were fearful for that first goal to come, and you were fearful that it was going to come early from Seattle, just by the way the play was kind of carrying towards the end, you know. But thankful that 
you know, we saw the club come out solid, strong to start the second half. I mean, I, I had some different takes on what happened early in the second half, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get into the second half of action here. Uh, we we thought we were going to see the same uh, magic we saw uh, from the last game with Sean Wright Phillips and Chris Cortez on that corner kick early in the second half, five minutes in. Uh, he, you know, Sean Wright whipped in a nice ball again to Chris Cortez. Unfortunately, Tyler Miller was in the right place at the right time to make a fairly easy save on that. Uh, we get into the 60th minute. Uh, Jason Johnson. Had, a, had some nice moves along the left-hand side, uh, drove it in, but had a, had a screamer that he was hitting uh, blocked uh, short, of, short of net. Um, Seattle's first chance came in a 62nd minute uh, with a shot from Atacoya, who just hit one just wide. Then we saw the introduction of uh, a pair of subs here a couple of minutes after that. Amadou Dia comes in for Alessandro Rigi, which I thought was an interesting move at the time, just because I thought Rigi had carried himself pretty well, and I thought he would have been uh, focused on a little bit more in the second half, but he wasn't. But Dia comes in there, and then we we finally get to see a good run here from Sam Hamilton. He comes in in the 69th minute for Sean Wright Phillips. You could kind of see SWP was struggling a little bit in the center, trying to find his positioning. Um, just seemed like, you know, he didn't have a lot of touches on the night. So, and it was a good time to see, uh, Hamilton get a a little bit more than the five or 10 minutes he had gotten in the previous couple of matches since being brought over on loan from Colorado. So, so the, the introduction of those two players get into the match and then what we thought was going to be. You know, the death knell for, for Phoenix Rising in the 73rd minute. Ball pinballs around in the uh, inside the box. And Zach Mathers has a clear shot and an open shot and an empty net and hits the post. I mean, as, as Jose Bosch put it on Twitter, we'd like to buy the post dinner for helping us out there for that. So, then... Then Phoenix Rising makes its final substitution of the match in the 75th minute, bringing on A.J. Gray for, for Blair Gavin, which leads to, three minutes later, uh, the goal of the match, obviously. Uh, A.J. Gray drives the, the right-hand side, drives it into the box. He's trying to hit a cross, but the cross gets tipped on the way over by a Seattle defender, and thankfully, Amadou Dia does not stop his run when he sees the tip. If he stops his run when he sees that tip, we're not sitting one nothing Phoenix at that point. But Amadou Dia, right place, right time. Tyler Miller has absolutely no chance of getting across to get to Dia. Header into the net. It's one nothing Phoenix. And at that point, I think the fans kind of had a little bit of a sigh of relief, but knew what they had ahead of them. Uh, obviously, play kind of played out for a little while there. And then we get to the save of the game, even though, even though Dominic earlier said he thought that, that Miller's save was was one of the top ones. I, I, I have to think Josh Cohen's fingertip save on, on Sari right there at the 91st. He doesn't make that save, and we're only talking about one point instead of three. But what a great, what a great tip save by Cohen! 
So then we're trying to kill out the clock. We get the ball down the field. And uh, Tyler Miller just makes a, a strange mistake. And for the second time this year, a Phoenix Rising player steals the ball from a goaltender. A few weeks ago, it was Chris Cortez. Saturday night, it was Jason Johnson who strips Tyler Miller of the ball. There's nobody in sight. Jason Johnson drives it, hits it home, 2 nothing. end of the match. Three huge points for Phoenix Rising. That moves them up to eighth in the standings. Uh, you were over there in the in the supporters section for the second half there, Dominic. Uh, your thoughts as to what you saw? Yeah, um, it's really interesting because, again, uh, I had some friends that came in probably around the 25th minute mark, and... One of them hadn't even watched too much soccer, uh, but we, we dragged him out, and he did enjoy it. He was saying around the 70th minute, man, it aren't we just getting outplayed right now? It just looks like we're not as good. And, like, that's a oversimplification and a little bit misleading because he missed the early parts where we were controlling the action. Um, and we also did have some good movement a few times where... We were generating chances, but Seattle, to their credit, had really good defensive organization. That game was blocking a lot of those chances. But, I mean, I mostly agreed with him. Because the first 30 minutes of that second half, we probably only had the ball 35% of the time. And what was most frustrating was, it looked like a reversion to our days in April when we were just playing long balls for our offense. I didn't understand that at all. We could not complete four or five passes in the midfield for pretty long stretches. I mean, early on, it was Sounders 2 that were just spraying balls all over the place, missing passes, and that allowed us to get more possession and create chances. But for most of that second half, before the goal, we had a very tough time converting passes in the midfield. And as a result, we had to do these long balls that, without Drogba, I mean, some of them got through, but it was not... It was really frustrating to watch. I mean, again, you have to be satisfied with the result, but that was we were the second best team for the first 30 minutes that second half. I don't think you can sugarcoat that. Mathers had a great chance, and if they had scored, that would have been a deserved goal because they had created chances before that our defense was doing a good job of snuffing out. But um, thankfully, the bar helps us out, and then... Uh, what a way for Dia to score his first goal. And like you were saying, it's very important that he doesn't stop his run because so often you'll see a guy just stop the run on that deflection. And I, I think it was a shot, but regardless, he kept the run up. I was looking to see if it was offsides because a couple Sounders 2 players appealed for offsides, but I, I looked at the, uh, the gif on that goal and it looked like the central defender for Sounders 2 had his arm stretched out, and that kept him on side by a couple feet. So I think that was perfectly fine. Uh, the Cohen save, amazing. The only reason I say that the Tyler Miller save was better is just I've played keeper before, and because no one was tracking Sari on that shot, he did have the ability to see that shot and track it all the way. So he was able to like move his feet a few, a few steps and then do the full-out extension. Obviously, it looks better, and situationally speaking, may have been more important. But I think because it was such an instant reaction save, and you're going across the body, I would say the Miller one was better. 
anyways, that's just that's just semantics. Um, really great to see Johnson again at the end. It seems like he's scoring goals for us every single week. Comes through again in stoppage time with the uh, steal from the keeper. And it was just great to see the emotion as he just slammed the ball in for that second goal. Great to see everyone really explode on that one because that was the ultimate sigh of relief that all the supporters have been waiting for that whole game. Um, right. I mean, it, it was just such a frustrating dead evening for most of that. And then for those two goals at the end to bring it all to life. Thank goodness. That was a huge sigh of relief. Yeah. I was telling, uh, telling you guys before we started recording this episode that, uh, I was watching it later in the evening while it was actually probably early Sunday morning on uh, YouTube. And I was just about ready to turn the stream off in the last few minutes of stoppage time. And then, uh, Jason Johnson, he just hustles to the, to the ball and steals it. And I just was so glad that I didn't turn that off because I would have hated to have not known that happened and then been surprised. I mean, the surprise would have been nice, I guess, but it was nice to see that. It was awesome. Um, you know, I did, I did kind of notice the same thing that Dominic mentioned about the, the long balls. Seemed like we were doing that a lot last night. And that, you know, that was one of the successes we had against Sacramento. I thought was the short passing. If we would have tried doing these long balls the entire Sacramento game. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we would have been as, as lucky to, to escape with a win there, you know? So, um, hope, hopefully we see them get back to kind of the basics there and try to do short, precise passes rather than trying those deep balls. Although a few times they did, did create a couple opportunities. So, you know, got to throw those in there every once in a while. Um, but also happy to see, uh, Amadou Dia get his first goal. And that was a beautiful header. And again, Jason Johnson just continues to show us every week what he's capable of. Um, so definitely glad to have those guys on our side. Now we get into this coming week, and this is a little something different for us. We have a couple matches this week. We start off on Wednesday evening here in Phoenix with uh, hosting Orange County, who we have drawn three times. And then on Saturday, uh, Phoenix is traveling to play Colorado Switchbacks. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on these upcoming matches, and uh, how do you how do you see us performing? Well, obviously, you've, you know, you've seen OC twice this year. We've drawn with them twice, obviously. We remember the first match with the Didier Drogba free kick uh, right at the death. And obviously, we remember the last match we played with them, obviously, the Chris Cortez goal, you know, stealing stealing a goal from them and then having to play 45 minutes uh, a man down with, with the red card. Um I don't think you can sugarcoat Wednesday's game uh, any more than you can at this point. Uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me, three points would be huge. You know, I, I think we have to at least obtain a draw out of this match. I don't think there's any way we can we can give up points here at this at this point. You know, I, I this is going to be an interesting stretch to watch these guys play because remember this will be game two and game three of of three games in seven days so it will really be interesting to see the you know the the depth of this roster to see where everybody is sitting at um it'll be interesting to see who comes out wednesday because most likely guys you will see wednesday you may not see saturday come colorado springs you may see guys playing 45 50 minutes to save themselves for Colorado Springs and obviously you got to remember the altitude up there is going to be a big factor so it, it will be interesting to see which players I would not be surprised if you do not see a Sean Wright Phillips if you don't see uh, 
maybe either a Jason Johnson or an Alessandro Rigi play on Wednesday just to save them for Saturday, possibly. You know, this could be an interesting time where you could see an Eric Avila play. You could you could definitely see a longer run maybe from Sam Hamilton. Or maybe you see Sam play Saturday in Colorado Springs. But I think I think there is some some interchangeability here with, with a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the midfield positions here. Obviously the good thing is for Orange County, you won't have Salah Abulaji. Picked up a red card in uh, in Saturday's match against uh, Reno uh, in the 3-1 loss to Reno. So that is going to be an advantage to Phoenix Rising. I thought I, th- I thought Abulaji played a, a solid game the last game that Phoenix played them. So that, that will help. Um, as you look to Saturday, obviously it's going to be you're you're looking at Luke Verk alone. You're looking at at Kevon Freighter. You're looking at at Kachner. Um, obviously, they're going to want to avenge the two one loss that they took up here uh, a few weeks back. Um, you know, Jason Johnson was obviously the huge factor in that first game with Colorado Springs scoring the two goals. Uh, in the second half that gave us the 2-1 win. So, obviously this is this is we've you know, we've talked about this on previous podcasts before. This is a key week to start and then obviously once we get past uh, RSL on the 16th, that's when the real key period of the season kicks in for Phoenix Rising. So, uh Dominic, your thoughts on what you hope to see over the next week. Yeah, I mean these are two fascinating games. These are two teams that still fancy themselves as playoff contenders. Um, but, okay, for Orange County, we need to get that win because they have lost their last two. They haven't won in in a very long time now. They've been on a very extended streak of draws and defeats, dating back to July, I believe. So they are not a team in good form. We finally are going to get them at home after having to draw them in Orange County a couple times. You know, personally, I think it's very unfortunate that the one home match we get against them is on a Wednesday because I feel like there was a bit of bad blood that has developed against these teams. So it would have been nice to welcome them on a Saturday night and show them what we're made of. But, you know, that's the way the schedule works sometimes. I still think we can get that win. And obviously, it's going to depend on Patrice Carterone's roster choices. If I were the manager, I would put a lot of effort into securing those three home points on Wednesday because Colorado Springs on Saturday is going to be a very tough match for us. This is a team that just got a big draw against Sacramento Republic on the road. This is a team that only has six matches left in their season and they're right on that. They're right on the cusp of a playoff spot. They're going to be at altitude. You know, it'll be cooler because it's now early September over there. It might be, down to like 60s, which we haven't played in for quite some time. Um, And this is a team that really would feel hard done that they didn't get anything from our last match because even though we escaped with the 2-1 win and had more of the possession, I felt like that game should have been a draw and that Colorado Springs really controlled it for most of the match. So you know they're going to be upset about that too. And I mean, they're playing for their season. I don't think there's any way to uh, soften the message there. They only have six matches left. They are one point ahead of us in seventh right now. So they might be behind us come Saturday. I mean, 
that match is going to be everything to that team. If they lose again, now you're looking at 34 points with only five matches left, and you're looking at Oklahoma City Energy potentially jumping them, Orange County if they can start getting some wins jumping them, and you're really you're really looking at a team that has to be worried about missing the playoffs, something that they haven't been doing lately. Usually Colorado Springs is a regular top five playoff team, so... Um, that's going to be the tough match. I think we need to go out and get that win against Orange County on Wednesday. And like you were saying, Jeff, it certainly helps that Sola Avalaji is out. I think three other players picked up yellow cards for Orange County. So I don't know if any of those have resulted in a yellow card accumulation. But I do know that they've picked up a bunch of cards this season. So I think a key for us will be fielding a pretty competitive starting 11. We're not going to have Drogba back. But they're going to try to play physical, and we just need to not fall into that trap, play our game, and I I mean, I think we can do it. One other thing to note, we are going to play two pretty good keepers this week. Charlie Leone has made a couple big saves against us this season with Orange County, and then uh, Colorado Springs, when I talked to their podcaster before last match against Colorado Springs, he mentioned uh, Moise Puati's name, and he has been a pretty big keeper for them all season. So uh, you definitely are going to have to make our chances count against two of those keepers. I think both of these matches are winnable. Um, not to be complacent, though, we still have to play hard and just you know just be aware. You know, one thing that I was looking at is you know the upcoming match at home against Lawrence County. Phoenix plays really well at home. We have seven seven of our nine wins are at home. So it's really important that we continue to show a strong effort at home. Colorado, that is going to be the tougher of the two matches, I believe. But again, um, with our roster depth, I think that we should be okay as long as all the pieces come together correctly. Jeff, you had some uh, post-match comments from uh, from the coach and some of the players. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, some great comments uh, after the match from 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 Patrice Carterone. Uh, I got a chance to also talk to Josh Cohen and uh, got Amadou Diaz thoughts uh, on his first goal of the season. So here's, here's their comments uh, after Saturday's match against Seattle Sounders two and looking ahead uh, at the schedule that's, that's coming up here in the next week or so. What do you think? <laughs> a tough flow early to this game, but boy, the boys picked it up late for you. Yeah, very hard game. You know, I said to the boy at the half-time that tonight we were six players of MLS who are playing against us. So, you know, it was not, uh, I think it's the best uh, Seattle team uh, from the start of the season. And I told them at the half-time that, please, feel confident what you are doing is great. Uh, you are very good player to, tonight to face, but I'm sure we can do it. We have to stay strong, well-organized. And finally, we, we scored uh, this goal. And I'm very happy also for Josh because... Uh, He's, uh, he has, he's very talented. He's very talented, and uh, what he did to save uh, to save the game was absolutely uh, great. Talk about you. You said playing six MLS players. Now, obviously, that gets into the heads of these guys, saying maybe we're not quite on the level as they are. But how do you approach something like that and tell these guys that they're as good as as any other players out here on the pitch? You know, we have to accept the rule. That's it. Uh, I didn't want to talk about it before the game because uh, I didn't want to disturb the player before the game for them to think, oh my God, we are facing a player of MLS. 
I just needed to, uh, to give them some more motivation, some more positive uh, vibes at the half time. That's why at the half time I told them I, I could feel that they, the, the end of the first half was not that good and I wanted to give them some new energy and I, and I told them that I was very proud of what they did against those players of MLS and that we had to keep on being, uh, as I said, well organized and I was sure that in, in counter-attack we would have opportunity to score. Coach, uh, before you got here, there were a few games early in the season where the team gave up some late goals at home. What have you changed to be able to close out a game like tonight with a clean sheet? You know, um, for, for the last uh, 13 game right now, we have one of the best defense. When I first came, it was the weakness point of the team, so it was not easy for me to find the way to be um, to find the organization for us to, uh, to become better defensively. And after, I really feel that offensively we have some uh, fantastic offensive players. And Didier is not here right now. It's fantastic for us to have those players and Didier will be back uh, in a few days. So I'm really happy because, uh, as I say, we want to qualify the club for the first time for the playoff. And right now, physically, we are getting stronger and uh, the boys feel more and more confident. And I'm very happy because uh, our fans, uh, once again, were absolutely fantastic. And uh, we wanted uh, the three points to, for them. So really, really, what a, what a good evening. Key, key bringing in Amadou Dia and bringing in AJ Gray at the point you did at the match. Were you starting to see a little fatigue in, in SWP and in, 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 uh, in, in the I had the feeling, you know, I had the feeling that um, to, uh, to face this opponent sometime, Amadou Dia is a, is a left back, but uh, he's very good offensively. And I had the feeling that on the side, we could have uh, some more opportunity to score. And I wanted to give uh, more freedom to uh, Jason Johnson and uh, Chris Cortez. That's why I decided to have uh, fresh blood on the, on the side and to give more freedom to, uh, to Chris and uh, Jason. Talk about Josh coming back after such a long layoff and having such a solid game and especially making a key save right there at the 90th minute. Amazing, fantastic. Uh, he saved the goal. He saved the goal. That's amazing. What he, but really, uh, I do repeat, but uh, he deserves it. With Corey's uh, working so hard at the training, he's very young. Very, very young goalkeeper. He's 24 years old, and I'm sure that uh, in the next year he will become a very good goalkeeper. And it's obviously key to have two really solid goalkeepers yeah. as you head into this big stretch of games coming up. For sure, for sure. The only problem right now is that Carl uh, has, has an injury, so he won't be able to play for the next three, three weeks. But uh, Josh is ready, so that's the good news of the evening. How do you get the boys back and ready so quickly? now three days later to play a tough Orange County team. Yes, that's true. Another, another great game for us uh, in, uh, in three days. Well, we spend a lot of time you know, with the staff for all our players to be ready. You could see tonight that uh, Dia was ready, AG was ready, Sam uh, Hamilton was ready when he came in. So we will uh, we'll take the time tomorrow morning to see uh, who is able to start on the next game. But uh, we have uh, also some uh, fresh blood. Right. Awesome. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Coach. You're welcome. It had to feel good to get back out there after a few weeks off with an injury. Yeah, it definitely felt good to get back on the field. You know, a fantastic effort here tonight. We put together two back-to-back -to -back wins, both at home. We finally got that elusive home shutout, and I'm feeling great right now. What did you see from them? Uh, they put a lot of shots into you uh, towards the end of the first half and in the second half. What would you say from the pressure? Um, I thought that, you know, we had watched the film, we kind of knew what they wanted, and they had a style, and I think, yeah, they had some pressure, but we did a really good job of handling anything that was dangerous and uh, letting them have the stuff that wasn't that dangerous that we knew we could handle. What were you thinking about when, uh, when Mathers lined up that sitter? <laughs> I was just thinking, can't let this one go in, you know? Can't, can't give up the shutout this late in the game.
What's what's the hardest thing to have to go through? Obviously, you're dealing with an injury. What's the hardest thing to have to deal with as you're sitting there knowing you can't be in the lineup and help produce the way you want to? Um, you know, it's it's a definitely a different mentality whether you're in the 18, you know, on the bench or not. And, but every day, you know, you're a part of the team, you're a member of the team, and you do everything you can to just work for the team and pride in whatever way you can. Obviously, a big stretch of games coming up. You got it, you know, coming back three days later. You got Salt Lake City coming up. You got some tough battles ahead of you. What's the mentality of the team as you hit this point of the season right now? The mentality is keep working hard. I mean, we put in, you saw the effort out there tonight. If we do that every game and we can maintain that, we'll be fantastic, especially on this road trip. We have a lot of depth on the team, so everyone is going to be ready for this this upcoming stretch. I think we have, uh, what is it, seven games and playing Wednesday, Saturday, alternating. Right. And so everyone needs to be ready. Everyone uh, is working hard and trying to maintain their health so we can be successful. Josh, talk a little bit about the relationship between you and Carl and Nolan at GKU, guys encouraging each other. <laughs> so, yeah, we got the GKU, that's Goalkeeper Union, for those of you who haven't heard of it before. And at training, all of us, we're the ones wearing the orange pennies, so sometimes we're the orange squad also. <laughs> but we have, a, we have a great rapport. You know, all of us encourage each other, help out, and we really push each other in training too so that all of us can get better throughout the season and work on those things so that we're successful together. Last question. Is the orange kit coming up next? <laughs> no, that's a training kit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you see on your goal from AJ? Uh, I saw him that he's either going to shoot far post or he's going to drive it low to the back. So I tried to get in a position where I could either get the rebound or have an easy tap in. And luckily, it ended up being both. So it was all right. What did coach tell you when you're coming in the game to a 0 0 draw? Well, Rick said come in and try to make as big of an impact as possible and set score a goal for me. So I did exactly what he said. So. <laughs> What was kind of your role on the field there? Uh, just play in front of Victor. He's playing, he had a great game the whole time, so I help him up as much as possible. And try to get a goal, and if we do score, then lock it down with Vic on the left side. Obviously, you know you had the red card earlier in the season, struggling to try to find the lineup back in. How difficult has it been for you to be able to sit back and watch what's been happening lately and knowing that, that you know, you're wanting to get in there, but, but you're just not finding that moment. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. It's always hard when you're not playing, but you want to play. You want to get in those minutes and stuff, but it's part of the game, so you got you can't have a bad attitude. you got to stay positive and do whatever your team needs you to do, and then when your chance comes, like mine did tonight, you got to take advantage of it and just keep going from there. Piggybacking off that, how does your mentality change when you come in as a sub compared to when you're in the starting 11? Uh, I mean, it doesn't change really much. As soon as you step on the field, it's war out there. So it's either them or us, and it has to be us, especially when we're at home. we got to protect our house. So it's, to me, it's the same mentality to work as hard as possible and then enjoy it. There's the comments now of, of Coach Patrice Carterone and, and Amadou Dia and Josh Cohen. And great to hear Josh, uh, you know, talking about, you know, how he gets himself prepared, especially when you're sitting on a bench and, and, and not in a position to be able to play, especially, you know, you know, with the, the injury that he suffered to his hand and, and, you know, you could see after the match on Saturday that he was still bandaged up a little bit. So he's still, he's still favoring it a little bit, but the good news is it's not serious enough, you know, to warrant, uh, finding another goalkeeper at this point, and obviously with Carl being out now for the next couple of weeks uh, with a with a rib injury that he picked up in practice on on Friday, you know it's kind of kind of sad to see that. But at the same time, it's great to see that that you know we have quality goaltending, and and 
I've said this a number of times as we've talked about, you know, that this roster depth is going to come into play here in the next few weeks. And it's great to see that Carl, you know, we could get Carl back on the Cascadia trip if that, if that happens, you know, if it doesn't, you still have Josh Cohen who's playing well and, and, you know, like, like coach Carter even said in his comments, you know, Josh is young and he's just going to get better and better as we go along. And as, and if Josh can get better and better as we're going along, I mean, we've got great things, you know, that we're looking ahead here in these next few weeks. Yeah. I think, I think we can all say that we've been um, pretty pleased with the performance of both goalkeepers throughout this season. Uh, so with that being said, we're going to get into our next section of the podcast. We're going to cover uh, some USL scores around the league and get into some uh, Western Conference standings. Uh, Jeff and Dominic, why don't you take us into the scores from this past week? Yeah, we'll get into the scores for, for this week here. Uh, on Wednesday, Toronto and St. Louis played to a 1-1 draw. Uh, some great results you know, in the West helping Phoenix here on Wednesday. RGV and Timbers 2 get played to a 1-1 draw. There, it was a pair of goals in stoppage time uh, that ended up giving points uh, both ways. It was Tulatra for for RGV, and it, or, I'm sorry for T2, and then it was Green comes back a minute later, gets gets uh, a point for RGV, and then Tulsa beat uh, Sounders two one nothing. It was a Ugarde goal that got Tulsa the points there. Uh, on Thursday, it was Orlando one, Bethlehem one. Games in the East on Saturday. It was FC Cincinnati 1, Pittsburgh 1. It was New York 4, Tampa Bay 2. Louisville beat Charleston 1-0. It was Charlotte over Richmond 3-0. And Rochester beat Toronto 1-0. Games of importance of the West on Saturday. Uh, Swope Park Rangers giving Phoenix a big result. It was a 2-0 Swope Park Rangers win over Oklahoma City. Uh, A mulatto brace. Uh, goals in the 19th minute and in the 49th gives Swope Park Rangers three points that they desperately needed because Swope had kind of been on a little bit of a, a fall there for a while. But uh, getting three points there was really key, and especially those three points were key in the fact that it helped Phoenix Rise and get to where they are right now in the standings. Uh, San Antonio with an interesting 2-1 win over, over RSL. The interesting thing about this game was uh, San Antonio scores its two goals late, but scores them both being a man down. Uh, it, was Saucedo, it was Saucedo who got a goal early for, for RSL, but it was an own goal in the 88th minute, followed up by a, a goal by McCarthy in the 93rd minute that gave uh, San Antonio three huge points. But I, I'll tell you, I mean, that's that's resiliency for you there, playing a man yeah. down and, and scoring well, two goals to get the win. Uh, I, I don't – I think they got four yellow cards. I don't think anyone actually got a red. But uh, the point still stands that they did a very good job to stay in this match when they were down 1-0. Again, it's an away match against the best team in USL in altitude. And, you know, maybe, maybe – uh, you get a little lucky with the own goal, but they kept going for it. And then in the 93rd minute, third minute of stoppage time, Stephen McCarthy gets the big goal for them. It's the first time that San Antonio has won a match this season when they fell behind. So, I mean, that's uh, something we really haven't seen from this kind of club. Um, usually, there's been a lot of talk about them str- struggling to score goals. And then 
for over 30 minutes, they were down a goal. And then just when it looks dead, not only they get one, they get two. For a six-point turnaround at the top, it keeps their hopes of getting top position in the West alive because they're now seven points back of Real Monarchs. Uh, but I think more importantly, that's got to be a huge mental boost for them going into the playoffs. So, you know, good result for them. Um, had some fun banter with, with San Antonio fans after that one. So uh, if, you, if you're really curious, you can go check out a couple of the uh, replies we sent on Twitter. But You didn't get yourself in any more uh, challenges, did no. you? No, just, just some fun gifts. No. Just some fun gifts. <laughs> Last couple of results on Saturday for for Western Conference games. Uh, Reno gets a big three to one win over Orange County, uh, especially without Dane Kelly being in the lineup to get uh, goals from Oxford and Weehan, and then a, an own goal helping out Reno's cause there uh, gives them three big points over Orange County, and then Sacramento and Colorado Springs tied two uh, two on on Saturday. It was goals by Vercalone and Eben. Ibansi for Colorado Springs, and it was Casares and Wiesenforth for Sacramento that uh, split the points up there. This is a tough one for uh, Sacramento too, because they were they were up at halftime, two one. They're up the entire second half, and talk about an impact sub. Abusi, uh, Pascal Abusi comes on in the eighty seventh minute, and four minutes later, first minute of stoppage time, he equalizes for Colorado Springs. So that's two huge points dropped by the Republic, but a massive point for Colorado Springs, who, as we've mentioned before, they're right on the on the cusp of playoff contention. And that's a great result for us, quite frankly. When two teams that are immediately in front of us draw, it just means that they're losing opportunities to separate themselves, and that keeps us right on their tails. We might be able to pass them both. Yeah, we could possibly pass them both this week if, if we can pick up the pair of wins and, uh, and see where we go from there. Games on Sunday, it was Ottawa 2, St. Louis 2. Uh, another great result for, for Phoenix Rising fans, it was Timbers 2-1, Tulsa 1. I mean, Tulsa not getting the points playing the Timbers. Again, we talk about this, you know, if people are going to pick up points, they got to pick them up against the teams in the bottom. And when, when you're drawing 1-1 against Timbers 2, uh, huge result for Phoenix Rising fans. I mean, you can't you can't ask for anything better. And then the final result on Sunday, which is another big result, keeping a team below us again. It's it's L.A. Galaxy beating Rio Grande one nothing. It was an Ari Lasseter goal in the 22nd minute there that gave L.A. the points, and and that helps Phoenix Rising even more because because Rio Grande could have been within a couple of points of Phoenix, and gives us a little bit of breathing room as we go into this big week uh, standings-wise. So, you know, that's the scores for the week. Uh, Matt, you want to take us into the standings and and, and give us a, a rundown of where everybody's at at this point? Yeah, so uh, for the Western Conference, we still have uh, Real Monarchs holding on first place at 55 points. They did have the loss this past week here against San Antonio. But with that loss, they were still able to clinch a playoff position. So that's uh, pretty positive for them. Obviously, uh, they've had a pretty strong season so far and uh, just had that loss uh, this week and won a few weeks ago. Uh, so then we'll get into the rest of the standings here. San Antonio um, in second place with 48 points. 
Reno's in third place with 45 points, and uh, they have now won five consecutive matches, so that's a pretty impressive run by uh, Reno as of lately. Then we get into fourth position, Swope Park Rangers at 45 points. Fifth place at Tulsa Roughnecks with 36. Sixth place is Sacramento Republic at 36 points. Seventh is Colorado Springs at 34 points. And the moment we've all been waiting for this season, Phoenix Rising is in the top half of the table with 33 points. As we've always mentioned, you know, for this first half of the season is we have games in hand. So out of all the top uh, top eight teams, we have two games advantage over the other. So it's a very strong position for us, uh, especially heading into this very critical week. Uh, so now we'll get into the bottom half of the table. Ninth place is Oklahoma City Energy with 33 points. Tenth place is Seattle Sounders 2 with 29 points. Eleventh uh, place is Orange County with 29 points. Uh, they've had three draws and two losses, uh, and we will be playing them this uh, Wednesday. Twelfth uh, place is Rio Grande Valley with 28 points. Thirteenth is Los Dos with 25 14th is Vancouver Whitecaps at 22, and last place is Portland Timbers 2 with 11 points. That'll round up uh, the standings, so I think uh, it was a pretty, pretty positive week for Phoenix Rising. Um, as we mentioned, there were some draws and uh, losses above us, so that really helped us out, and there were some also critical losses below us that kind of helped keep some teams behind us. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep that in mind and uh, look forward to the two upcoming matches this week. Next, we're going to get into a little bit of Phoenix Rising news. There was a big discussion last week from some events that happened at the match with the Banditos and Phoenix Rising. Uh, so Dominic is going to just have a brief statement about the update on Banditos and Phoenix Rising statements. Right. So I think the first thing to take away here is that all's well that ends well. Uh, the team and Banditos... As was mentioned in the Banditos' official statement, they were never on bad terms, but now they're even closer. Uh, that was in the statement released on Wednesday. There were plenty of Banditos fans at the match on Saturday, which was fantastic to see. Phoenix Rising also had a post um, showing the Banditos banner and a couple uh, banners in addition to that with a stop racism and embrace diversity. Um, so the team making their stance very clear that they uh, do not condone that kind of bigotry or racism at the stadium. Um, I think another thing that we should take accountability for, um, last Sunday when I was talking about the situation, I was reporting it as I saw it, and I did not see uh, a team employee come down to speak to Banditos for a while. So, you know, I'll, I'll take the accountability for that. My apologies there. Um, but then... Another thing worth mentioning, too, I saw that David Rappaport was speaking to members of Banditos, just making sure that everyone was on good terms this Saturday. And I saw more people in that section than there were last week, so it must have worked. I think it did bring everyone together at the end of the day, and the support was greatly appreciated from both supporters groups uh, in this match, Banditos and LFR. And I think everyone was really happy with the result, really happy that we didn't lose fans from what happened last Saturday. And I think at the end of the day, that's what matters most is that we're all coming together and enjoying the success that this team has produced. Yep. Well said there, Dominic. Um, so now we're going to get into the next section, which is our uh, Twitter discussions. So Dominic, you posted a couple uh, questions and polls this week about our, our, our current standing and uh, 
potential for the rest of the season. Uh, do you want to kind of take us into a summary of that and how what the what the fans thought and what their feedback was? Sure. Um, so it's just it's a great way to stir content is just to get these questions up, let the fans respond. Uh, so the first one was last week. I was thinking, you know, give us some predictions. How many points do you think the team is going to end up with? Uh, a lot of people were pretty optimistic. I think you guys might remember that all three of us said over 50 points. I think I said 51. Uh, Matt said 54. And I think Jeff came in at 52. I think a lot of the responses were 51, 52. I saw a crazy response last week, like 55 or something. And I was like, I would enjoy that, please. Um, but there was one person that was a little less optimistic with 44 points. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So far, this was a great start, but we still have more time. Uh, and then after this win, and especially with a couple of the other results that went our way, I put up another uh, another uh, post on Rising as One. Retweet if you think we'll finish top five. Uh, like if you think the standings look nice because we're so close now. And uh, I think there was a lot of positive energy there. A lot of retweets, a lot of likes. And then even on Facebook... A lot of people think we can finish top five now because we're only four points back of Tulsa, which with uh, three matches in hand over them. So we're in a really good spot. We have a lot of easier matches coming up. So the important thing is just to keep the momentum going. And it's nice to see that most of the fan base agrees with me in thinking that we are just on the cusp of reaching our full potential and getting getting up to a great spot in the standings. So. Yeah, it was, it was also kind of cool to see a friend of the pod, Mike Watts, retweet that uh, that question and say, when you look at the standings, it's kind of totally possible for uh, Phoenix finishing in the top five. That's a great observation. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> yeah, and I think obviously, you know, Phoenix sitting where they are right now, obviously the fans I don't think would be very confident about being an eight seed trying to play an RSL who's – who seems to be far and above the class of this of this league right now, um, but yeah, if you can get up into that five and six position, obviously you'd be looking at either a Reno or a Swope Park Rangers or even a Sacramento Republic at that point. Um, those teams are all, I feel, are, are probably winnable games, you know, on the road. I mean, you know, I, I think like we've talked about before, Reno may be the toughest of the group. You know, we did draw at Swilt Park Rangers, so that felt good. We we drew at Reno, so that felt good. You know, we'll we'll see how they how the boys uh, fare against Sacramento in a couple of weeks when we go up there and play them. But you know, I I think moving up the table and getting into a better position, I think gives them the the capability of having a better result. You know, in a in a possible one game playoff on the road against some of those teams. Right. I mean, the, the team that jumps out to me is. I really hope we could get them first round because I think if we play them, we could take them. That would be Swill Park Rangers. We beat them the home match this season. We drew them away in spite of some really ridiculous officiating. Uh, And the thing is, we scored goals against both those teams. A lot of the other teams that are potential playoff opponents, I know we discussed this a couple weeks ago, but the Reno, San Antonio's of the world, we have really struggled to generate offense against those teams. So, and, and, and the way it looks, it looks like Swope might finish in fourth 
if we can get up to fifth and play them, I I would not be too upset about that. I think I think it's very realistic. Um, Reno's the team that scares me the most right now. The way they can put goals in, the way they can defend too. They're on a five-game win streak right now, and it's really possible they could get up to second place in the West. So I, that's the team that I am not thrilled if we would have to play them. Even more so than Real and San Antonio at the moment. Yeah, with your comment about Swope Park, the other thing too is, I mean, we had some success against them earlier this season, and I would say that we're playing way better ball currently than we were at that portion of the season. So I agree with your your thought there that that's the team we would want to face in the playoff. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for, for that section, and we're going to go ahead and uh, head into our final thoughts unless you have anything else to add. Uh, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with your final thoughts? Well, let's, you know, let's remember this is a huge week, you know, for the club as far as, you know, for the first time in the, in the team's history, they're actually sitting in a playoff position, uh, you know, which, you know, which obviously begins the talk now that, hey, uh, is this team for real? I believe this team is for real. I think we're seeing some great combinations being put together by Patrice Carterone, you know, whether it's playing Vasquez and Wakasa in the back or whether it's playing Dia and Mala in the back, you know, I think they've made some key additions. Obviously we haven't even seen Gladys and Awako yet, you know, and hopefully he, he makes his introduction into the lineup sometime either this week or next week. Uh, it will be key to have him uh, as, as we get ready to head into this stretch of games now where we're, we're playing, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, or Wednesday, Saturday. You know, I, th- I think it'll be key to see these guys meshing together. Obviously, the Cascadia trip looms large as we as we look ahead to that in a couple of weeks. Um, but we have winnable games right in front of us. Orange County, Wednesday, Colorado Springs, Saturday. Granted, we haven't had the results in Colorado Springs in the past. We've, we've, we've struggled to play up there. Uh, talking to some people that I talked to before the game, would be thrilled with a draw if we could get a draw up in Colorado Springs. I'd be happy to take four points this week out of out of six. If we can get all six, great. But you know, but let's let's let's. I I agree with Dominic in the fact that let's focus on Wednesday. Let's get those three points. Let's make sure we get them in the bag before we head off to Colorado Springs, and then that way we can play a loser game on Saturday and let the chips fall where they may. But for the first time, it's glad to hear people finally saying we might have a playoff team on our hands. Well, that, that's a good tie-in to uh, my final point because I've been saying that for a while now. Um, it's just nice to see the standings reflected. Um, this kind of tied into my preseason prediction where I was expecting us to kind of struggle early on. You guys can check that episode you guys can go check the receipts. I did say this back in March. We're going to struggle as people mesh together early season. And I said, our team depth is going to help in the later part of the season when we start playing two matches a week and we start having to grind through these matches because other teams are going to wilt and we're going to be rolling strong with the top three form in the West in the last couple months of the season. We're finally there now. The patience has paid off. We're in the playoffs. Now we're looking like we're going to get top five. So, okay. Just patted my own back. Things are coming out Millhouse, as the kids like to say. 
I don't know if kids say that anymore. It was probably like 10 years ago, but uh, everything is coming up, Millhouse. Um, and I think here's another thing, too, since we're on an optimistic little spiel right here. In our club's history, we have never gotten more than 34 points in a season. Uh, the most that Arizona United got was 34 from last season. Their most competitive season was probably 2015 when they almost made the playoffs for 33. It was a shorter schedule then. And we have a chance to make history this Wednesday against Orange County. Set a club record for points. You know, our fifth season of existence to not get to 35 is kind of rough. But it, it means that we're, you know, turning the page, that we're really starting a new era. And what better way to do it than to go out there, support the boys on Wednesday, and potentially watch history i mean it's it's uh things like that that make you realize just how how special this team is and how quickly things have changed from where they were even six months ago so you know it, it feels like we're really on the cusp of something and hopefully that continues and our faith continues to pay off like it's finally been doing these last couple of weeks some really good points you guys you know the one thing that i guess i would like to add is that you know, for, for this upcoming week, I'd maybe like to see him get back to not, you know, going for the long ball every time, um, kind of get back to that short game. Cause that seemed to work really well for us. Um, and I think if we do that, we'll have plenty of success. We've been on a pretty good run lately. And I think the, the boys and the coach have a lot of confidence. So we'll just l- let that carry us through these next few matches. And, um, as Dominic said, everything's coming up Millhouse, And I, I think that, uh, you know, I think things are looking up for us, so let's just let's keep riding it out and see how it goes. That'll do it for this week's episode of Rising as One podcast. Uh, before we end the show, I just want to give a quick shout out to our listener Luis Yanez. Uh, he was a winner of our free giveaway for some uh, supporter section tickets this week on Twitter. Just a little note to make sure you follow us on Twitter um, at Rising Pod because sometimes we will uh, we'll throw out little uh, raffles or um, gifts or free tickets when we can throughout the season. So just, you know, make sure you follow us and keep in touch with that. If you like the podcast, please remember to rate us on iTunes. We really appreciate any feedback that you guys give us. And also feel free to contact us on Twitter at RisingPod or via email at risingpod at gmail.com. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this week. And uh, we'll get back to you next Monday with one episode that will cover the two matches this upcoming week. Um, So with that being said, let's have a good week. Go Rising in both matches. And have a good one. Have a great week, everybody. Go Rising. Go!